Hello and welcome back to the return of Game Sense, a Rookie Me Central podcast that focuses on all the comings and goings in women's football across the country. I'm your host, Peter Williams, and in today's episode, we'll be recalling all the results around the state leagues and those premiership winners, as well as previewing a number of AFL women's sides ahead of Season 7. But first, let me introduce women's football analyst, Elise Collette. Elise, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So let's get stuck straight in uh, because uh, we'll have the AFL women's previews coming up soon. But first, we're going to take a look back across the nation and recall the state league grand finals that have taken place. So first, we're going to head to Queensland. It was the most recent one where the University of Queensland went back to back against newcomers to the Quaffle Women's Southport. Elise, you caught the game. Give us a rundown on it. Yeah, that that was a brilliant game because Southport led for so much of the game and then UQ came right back at them and then it went to extra time, which is so rare in football games just in general, let alone grand finals. And then UQ only kicked seven points in extra time, but the way the UQ fans celebrated that final behind, you'd, you'd, you'd think it was a goal. So, um, yeah, great game. Congrats, UQ. Very well-deserved flag. It's not easy to go back-to-back and they, they continue to be the hunted heading into 2023. Absolutely. And uh, over to the other side of the country, Claremont caused a stunning upset over East Fremantle and the Waffle Women's. Uh, Despite losing a number of players to AFLW expansion clubs, the Tigers took down the previously undefeated Sharks in a memorable grand final. So when we're talking about the AFLW players that have gone up, uh, Tessa Dumanis went over to Port. Uh, They lost Alice Smith and Sasha Goranova. They both went to West Coast. So they have lost a fair bit of talent from that Claremont outfit. Uh, and not too many people gave them, uh, I guess, a chance to even make it through the grand final despite finishing second, and that's no knock on them. They were just so under strength compared to where they started, and uh, obviously they hadn't managed to beat uh, East Fremantle all season. No one had, so no one was expecting them to do anything, but then all of a sudden they came good at the right time of year because uh, it was one of those games that no matter what kind of happened, there was no guarantees, but... You know, Claremont were able to get in front. They held a narrow lead. Um, they were probably about seven points up at the final break, and then they sort of just kicked, uh, held firm, really. They sort of kicked away, but it was a couple of key behinds and, and ended up winning by sort of that eight-point margin. So uh, Rachel Ortlep kicked three. Uh, Michaela Weston, who'd get drafted, uh, kicked a goal, and, and there were quite a few impressive players. Jasmine Stewart, who obviously um, was... Uh, on AFLW list, she's now uh, she was named best on ground in that win, uh, but it was just a really great performance from Claremont, and, and full congrats to them because certainly they deserved it. They they it was whoever's the best on the day, and despite East Fremantle winning every other game for the year, they didn't win the one that counts. So they'll be back uh, bigger than ever next year, no doubt. Uh, they're obviously missing Julia Teakle, who uh, ended up at Port Adelaide, so. Uh, but they have some great young talent coming through the ranks, particularly in the the talls. So it'll be quite interesting to see how they go. But if we move back to Victoria, it was an expansion side to the AFL Women's that triumphed in the decider, remaining undefeated all season to win the Premiership. I'm, of course, talking about Essendon, with the Bombers only recording a draw in an otherwise unblemished season, defeating St Kilda or the Southern Saints in a thumping win on grand final day. Elise, you were there. What was the feeling around the ground, and and how did the match go down? It was a very well-deserved win by the Bombers. They were just 
clinical all day and the crowd number was was what really I'm trying to think excited it's not quite the word I was looking for but felt felt proud knowing that such a big crowd wanted to come to the game and unfortunately there was was one downside for the Bombers George and Anscorn doing a knee but that's the risk the Bombers Bombers um, had when they chose to keep their AFLW listed girls playing but full credit to the Bombers they they had a ripper year and yeah so many players could have won best on ground that day but um, Alana Barber definitely deserved deserved the medal because she had, she had a stellar game and yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can take that momentum into the AFL women's. Absolutely. So to finish off the series of the State League Grand Finals, we're going to move on to the Sample women's where uh, it happened back in May. Uh, North Adelaide stormed from behind to take down a really plucky Sturt outfit for a memorable Sample women's decider. North were really strong favourites in the game. They'd easily taken care of Sturt in the first final, but the Double Blues were really up for the fight this time. Um, They were without Isabel Kuyper, who unfortunately did her knee uh, in the final round of the season, missed a game, came back, and then sort of redid it. So she'll miss uh, that 12 months with the ACL, unfortunately. Uh, But Sturt were able to really take it up to them, and for a large portion of the game, or, or the first half, they were sort of daring to dream. They, they kicked the first few goals and were looking really on top. But then full credit to the Roosters because they only kept them to two behinds after half time and really only one goal two behinds uh, since quarter time while managing to pile on the 6-5 themselves. So uh, at three-quarter time, Chrissy Steen, of course, coached the Roosters to a flag a couple of years back. She was really revving up the troops. You could feel that North had another 20 minutes in them or, or another 18 minutes in them. Um, Sturt were, you know, they'd, they'd battled hard, but they were looking sore, worse for wear. And look, that they, they, they had a real crack, but it, they just ran out of legs effectively. North was such a superior unit. Um, you had a Hannah Ewings who obviously got drafted. Jade DeMello was superb. She got drafted too. Um, they've just got so much talent that came through that list. Emily Borg's another one. They've all ended up at Port Adelaide. So it's been a really good draft for North Adelaide. Uh, and then you look at Zoe Prowse for Sturt. She won the best on ground medal in a, in a losing team, but she was just outstanding all day. She had a great battle with uh, Meg Ryan, uh, who's new to football, came to North Adelaide this year out of the sort of local league. She's originally from Ireland. She's someone who had a really great game on, on, on the big stage. And uh, there were just so many stories from that day, but uh, North Adelaide, yeah, getting the job done in the end and, and reasonably comfortable. So that uh, 18 points if you like but it, it was definitely a really close game for the most part so full credit to them uh, but that's our recap on the State League Grand Finals done and dusted so we're going to take a little break here on Game Sense but after the break we'll be back to dive into some AFL Women's Team Previews You're listening to Game Sense, a women's football podcast brought to you by Rookie Me Central. I'm Peter Williams here with Elise Collette, and now we'll dive straight into some AFL women's previews. This week, we'll aim to do half of them with the other half next week. So let's start with the expansion sides first up. So we spoke about Essendon winning the VFLW Grand Final. They've now had the two practice matches going down to Melbourne first up and then defeating fellow newcomer Port Adelaide. Elise, what are you sort of looking forward to the most about the Bombers coming into the competition? Their forward line. Because it's just 
it's just so strong. You've got your Bonnie Two Goods up there. You've got Renee Tierney and Federica Fru who've come through the VFL and and start in there. I'm worried about the defence, but they've they've just got to ensure that with their the talent in their forward line and the talent running through that midfield, they've just got to got to win win a lot of ball so that they don't put their defence under pressure. Yeah, I, I think from what we saw on the on the weekend, obviously both there uh, against Port Adelaide. I think the key to the win was the fact that Gemma Houghton came off at halftime yes. for Port. Yes. Um, because they just didn't have any answers for it realistically. And a lot of teams have that tall forward that um, can be a good mark, can move well at ground level and really crash packs and have an impact. So I think for me, that was the big difference. Uh, we know that they're very inexperienced back there. We know obviously Danny Marshall's got the AFLW experience, but there's also a lot of first-year players or even VFLW players who might roll through there that haven't played at the top level. And Sophie Vanderhoeven, I don't know exactly what her story is at the moment, but she didn't play against Melbourne and didn't play against Port, so I think she's under a bit of an injury cloud at the moment. So that's a huge loss considering how inexperienced their their backs are. Yeah, and I think uh, think the key question for me, um, again, and, and she doesn't solve that, is the fact of having that key defender that can that can go one-on-one with the, with the bigger forwards. I think they've got players that can run the ball and, and you know, they, they're able to intercept well enough. But I think if, if teams can isolate them one-on-one in, inside that defensive 50, I think that's where the problems will come for Essendon. And we saw it against uh, Melbourne the week before. They, they still kicked six goals or 40 points. Unfortunately, the opposition kicked over 80. So I think that is a story that we're going to see a little bit this year. So I think they're going to be an exciting team to watch. Absolutely, I agree. Forward line is going to be very, very exciting. Midfield is strong enough to compete with others. Um, I do think if if they cop an injury or two, they might be struggling a little bit, Like particularly if it's a Presparkus or... To me, I think Steph Kane's their most important one because she uses the ball better than anyone uh, in that midfield group. So I think she's crucial. But uh, I, I think if they lose one of them, they're in trouble. But I do think they're going to be a very, very exciting team. Mm, yeah, I, I have to agree. I've got yeah a few worries, but yeah, they can. They've definitely got the capability to to excite and yeah, be a fascinating team to watch. Absolutely. And and the other one I should mention, Bonnie Toogood, who was sensational. Oh, she was brilliant. Again, she she benefited, and, and we go back on this, benefit from Ange Foley coming off at halftime because Ange Foley's very, very clever in that defence, an underrated player. But, um, yeah, she just did as she liked, uh, playing on Jade Halfpenny in that second half. She went a bit deeper after playing a bit higher, but Jeff, uh, Jade Halfpenny um, is more of a mid-forward. So the fact that she got trialed at fullback is interesting and maybe that's a, a position she'll play but um, coming up against Bonnie Toogood who's just so clever so smart and a good combination of being able to read it well and uh, move well inside 50 uh, probably not an opponent you want while you're still learning the craft and a couple of others that really impressed me as well were, were Amber Clark and Paige Scott you've you've seen plenty of them but for for Essendon fans who haven't haven't watched Natalie, they're both both tall, strong targets that have got a good kick on them, and and they're young as well, having just come straight out of Nablee. So they'll they'll be around for a while. I can really build with this team. 
Yeah, well, they're both they're both players that are actually they play taller than they are. They're they're both under one seventy, but they're sort of that um, able to compete really strongly in the air. They're very good positioning. Paige Scott had a ripper game. She's normally a, a forward uh, who can roll through the mid, but she actually spent a lot of time in the back half, particularly early. Was intercepting um, basically anything that came her way, and she's always someone that has the incredible talent. It's just about applying herself consistently. Like her best is as good as anyone else in the draft last year, and. Full credit to the Bombers for taking that um, risk. Uh, the fact that she had uh, her her ability is is a ten out of ten, no doubt. There'd just be some games where she'd barely see it, and and that happens with forwards and, and things like that. But I, I think when she's on, she's very hard to stop. Very strong, got that powerful burst, uh, and I think she's definitely one to watch. And Amber Clark's just elite with her ability forward. Um, she did get caught on the weekend, which you don't see too often in a tackle. Um, by Abby Dowrick, but uh, Clark is just a fantastic runner. She's going to be really exciting when she takes the game on. If she's uh, if she gets forward to center with no opponents between her and the goals, it, it's pretty much good night. So um, I agree. They're going to add to the um, aspect of Essendon being really, really exciting, and, and I'm looking forward to it. But uh, we'll cap up, uh, cap off Essendon's uh, sort of preview. I'll see what do you sort of see as a potential bold prediction for them and a final position. Bold prediction's tricky, but I don't think they'll quite make finals this year, but I can see them finishing top half of the bottom, what is it, 10? I can do maths, sure. Um, so, yeah, I think they'll just miss, but... In that ninth to 12th bracket kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, like, I think they'll just miss, but they, if they can stick together and grow and develop together, they could be a very daunting prospect in the next couple of years because there was a reason they were so hyped up over preseason and it's going to take a few years, I think, but um, yeah, they'll, they'll get there. I, I think they will be top eight in scores for and bottom four in scores against yeah. in terms of most. So I have a feeling they're going to score more than some of the top eight teams, but they're also going to be down with the, the lowest sides in the uh scores conceded so I think that's the way that Essen go but I do agree I think they're gonna probably just miss out on finals I wouldn't be shocked if they snuck in but yeah Yeah. I I, I don't think they will I think they'll be just outside just that defense for me but yeah and there's the the sides above them have a huge head start on them so that that's not going to play well in their favor at all no exactly it's always tricky for expansion sides unless you're North Melbourne who obviously bucked the trend but most others it's, it's going to be tricky. Um, so we're going to move on from Essendon to Port Adelaide. Uh, I've got some big wraps on them. I think they're going to be quite impressive. Uh, similar boat to Essendon, I guess you'd say. I think they're a bit more balanced. Uh, they suffered defeats to Adelaide, though. Obviously, the scores weren't officially kept. It was more just from references on that day. Uh, and obviously, Essendon, we spoke about just then. But for me, they showed plenty of signs. Elise, what did you sort of like about Port Adelaide on the weekend? They really impressed me. I didn't have any expectations going in but um yeah that that forward line is going to be so scary we were talking about Houghton earlier not only is she a strong mark but she's also quick so if they if um if Port kick it in over say a defender's head and Houghton runs onto it see you later um so yeah she and Kate Sermon are gonna are gonna be quite a daunting little partnership up there and they they were 
competitive and winning for most of the game on the weekend. But then when you take off your your Foley's and your Houghtons, Essendon ran over the top of them. So at their best, they're gonna they're gonna match it. I'm just worried that they like the like every expansion side they don't have a lot of experience at AFLW level. So I'm worried they're not going to be able to quite match it with say the the original eight or however many sides it was that have got a six-season head start on them. So, yeah, I think they'll definitely be competitive. I just, yeah, don't think they can quite match it with the top yet. Yeah, I think their best 21 is very good. And, and even if you stretch it to, say, 23-24, uh, but I do think that, as we saw, you take off a couple of their top-enders and I think they significantly become weaker. And I think that's that's the difference between Essendon and Port. I think Essendon have more support in your 20 to 26-7 bracket because they went for mostly, aside from the draft, they topped up with VFLW players, so players that are ready-made. Where Port Adelaide, they did top up with, with State League players, but the majority of them, by someone like a DeMello, um, a majority of them are sort of in that 18 to 21 bracket where so, a, a lot of the Essendon ones are probably in your 21 to 27 bracket. So yeah. sort of in that next phase. So for me, the difference from the weekend, we, we spoke about Essendon's defense for me, Port Adelaide's was just when they took off that top end sort of outstanding talent, they, they were in trouble. Like Essendon started to win more of the ball. They started to get on top. And don't get me wrong, if they're, if they're playing one of the premiership contenders, even with them on, I, I think they're going to struggle because they don't have a great deal of them. Because for me, they took in Houghton, they took in Phillips, who are their two elite players. There's no doubt about it. They're, they're elite. Um, and then they took a whole heap of players that are, are really good. They're not necessarily elite, but they're really, really good. Like your Foley's, you know, your Jackie Yorstons, Maria Maloney. Like they're all real good um, role players and players that are, are clever. So I think that they do really well, but against um, star-stacked sort of midfields and things like that, I think they might struggle a bit. They're, they're still very, very young um, as as a whole. I love what they've done with the side. Hannah Ewings is going to be an absolute jet. Sarah Goodwin's going to be fantastic. She's still um, a little bit light, but when she gets the ball, she's just a fantastic user. We've seen Yasmin Dersma got a half on the weekend. Emily Borg has got a huge job uh, because she's sort of their main one-on-one defender, I think. She's good at that, but she's going to, you know, it's a, it's another step up from the Sample W uh, up against uh, AFLW forwards. So she's going to have a great learning curve. I think she'll be one that'll be fantastic in, um, say, season eight o- onwards. Halfpenny, if she, she gets a crack forward, is, is going to be really good. Abby Dowrick's the one that I think could genuinely win the Rising Star this yeah, year. She's, she was impressive on the weekend. She's an outstanding talent. And to give you a bit of an idea, she we first saw her when she was 16. Um, she was obviously younger sister of Mackenzie when Mackenzie was in her top age year. Um, Abby was basically best on in that team um, that featured your Bowens and all that, like all the WA girls that have gone on to play AFL. Like Bella Lewis might have been playing that team from memory. Like it was a lot of quality team. And she was among the best, if not best on as a 16-year-old. Um, when it came to her draft year, she she got a draft nomination, but um, opted not to to go the draft combine. I don't think she felt she was ready to play. She wanted to, you know, whatever reason it is, she focused on herself, whatever it was. 
Um, and then this year, after playing the Waffle for a while, she's gone to the Sample W and switched her time between um, playing at the Eagles there and also playing over at Subi. So um, she's obviously now felt it's right. So, um, yeah, she's just an incredible talent. And she's one of those players that I don't think, unless you've watched a lot of State League footy, you'd necessarily know a lot about her. But she's just an outstanding talent because she's got that uh, balance of power, speed, and strength. And she's so hard to bring down. So she's definitely one for me, I think, could be a rising star contender. So, And just one other thing I remembered, that portside we saw on the weekend didn't have Britt Perry. So she's got to mm. come back in as well. And she, before she left to, to join Port, of course, was having a stellar year in the quaffles. So she's, just, she's going to add another element to that forward line as well and I love the fact of having Phillips in the midfield um I thought she'd be in the forward line and we'd go wow this forward line's so good but you need that class in the midfield because I I mentioned your Yorstons your Maloney's and everything like that they're not the kind of players that you'd necessarily have like they're ones that'll win the contested ball they'll crack in or do all that but Phillips is the one you want the ball in in hand of kicking yeah, inside 50. And absolutely. Even, even Houghton said it on the uh, weekend. She said that, you know, she knows when Aaron gets the ball, it's going to be coming in, you know, silver service type thing. So I like that she's in the midfield. Um, I think that Hannah Ewings is the other one that should get a lot more midfield time. Um, she's just an elite kick of the ball. So Goodwin's elite as well with, with ball in hand. So they've got a lot of great users. Um, I'm just interested to see how they utilize them because mm-hmm. – they won't want to chuck too many of them in um, too soon. But I think with, uh, f- yeah, with Phillips in there, it's going to be a good time. So for me, uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up by sort of saying if you, where do you sort of think they'll finish? I feel like they're a simil- in a similar situation to Essendon. Like a lot of people, I think, are going to underrate them. They see the Phillips, but they forget about your Houghtons, your Perrys, your Sermons and players like that as well. But I'm just worried, like Essendon again, that these other teams that are going to be ahead of them have had such a huge head start. So I can see them similar, 9 to 12. Yep. I'm willing to back them in and say that they'll make finals in the sort of 7th to 8th spot. I I think that those couple of spots are up for grabs. I think there's sort of a clear top six or, or yeah, well, yeah, actually now I might, we, 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 spoiler for next week, I think there might be a top five after certain injuries, but yes, we'll discuss, good point, good point. we'll discuss <laughs> that team next week. But I, I think that the spots are up for grabs late in, in that sort of top eight, which we should actually mention. It's great. It's going to a top eight. I'm glad mm. they didn't keep it at a top six. That would have been real rough for some of the teams. But oh, it, the systems have been rough at times for teams already. So I agree. It's a good thing that they are going to to a top eight. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's Port Adelaide done. So we'll move on to Hawthorne. Uh, Hawthorne, uh, obviously, we know went down a lot more of a youth route compared to Essendon. They did pick up some some very good players. Obviously, we know they got um, Jess Duffin, uh, who, you know, at her best was fantastic. Like, she's she's great. She can run with the ball, does really well. Caitlin Ashmore, another runner. They like to get their runners um, and they got Tilly Lucas Rod for that inside hardness. She's coming off a career best season, and potentially the loss of Patrikios and Smith was the best thing to happen to her career. To mm-hmm. be honest, she she had a fantastic season um, for the Saints. Uh, so we know that they've got that sort of midfield experience in there, um, but we do know they are very raw and very inexperienced. So 
I mean, wh- what did you think of them on the weekend? Um, to put it simply, you can tell they're a brand new side. Mm. They had issues getting it into their forward line and and being able to score. There's a reason they went scoreless for about three quarters. And there were just a few little communication issues that, yeah, an established side wouldn't have had. But, yeah, Tilly Lucas Rod really impressed me on the weekend. I think, yeah, she's going to really... Like she had a she had a stellar year last year, but I feel like she had a new club, new responsibilities now as skipper, and she's just going to go to that extra level. And I feel like someone like a Jess Duffin is going to have a good year, a great year as well, because she was struggling to stay in that North Melbourne side. So the fact that she's going to get, quite frankly, going to get a game every week because because of her experience alone, she's going to have that certainty, be that little bit more settled and just yeah, really be able to grow. Yeah, I, I think for me, Hawthorne um, are a side that their fans should probably go in with minimal expectations. Yeah. They're, they're a side that, and, and we'll talk about the other ones shortly in Sydney, but they're a side that I think you've got to go in and, and understand where they're at. Um yeah. I, I, I have no expectations on them. I think, for me, my expectations on them will be in three seasons to see where they get. I love what they've done with the draft. Jazz Fleming, Charlotte Pat Baskerin, Mackenzie Erdley, Bridie Hipwell. They're all quality players. They're just four off the top of the head up the top. Um, but for me, I, I love what they've done with their draft. They've got real leaders in there, players that can win the ball. Um, a lot of them are ready-made, but it's more a case of just getting them used to that level. And, and you can't do that over 10 games. That's that, that's the other thing. It's not like even like an AFL men's uh, season where you've got 22 games, you can kind of get them in the you know state leagues for 10 games and then chuck them in when they're ready. The, the season's over by then. They're, they're sort of coming in. And, and, of course, lists of 30. The other thing is you get a couple of injuries and potentially your, your 28th best player or you know most raw player has to come in. So for me... They've got a great squad for the future, but not for this season. Like, I, I just think that they're going to be a team that um, it does sort of struggle a bit this year. But, um, I mean, on, on the positives, this is worth mentioning, they do have the easiest draw of any side, which is fair enough. Like, they're an expansion team. I think that they're going to be a team that um, should be able to um, impact and, and, and sort of do well in the future. But yeah, for me, I think that it's going to be a bit of a struggle for them. Um, obviously, you know, they play St Kilda, they play Sydney, uh, West Coast. Um, for, for me, they're not, not that they're necessarily, you know, easy games when you, when you're near the bottom, but they're three teams that'll probably be in the vicinity. If we want to say the sort of bottom six. So, um, I think uh, particularly the game against Sydney, I think is probably the one, if you're a Hawthorne fan, you'd be circling, um, but for me, I think that, yeah, it, it, they're going to be more the, they're going to be exciting when they have the ball in hand, but it's just going to be that link up. I think yeah. that they're going to struggle, say, getting from defense to midfield, midfield to forward. If they can win at midfield, I think then they're going to be okay, but they're going to have to, uh, probably rely on a lot of scoring from their midfield too. Um, yeah. it's worth mentioning they've got Sarah Perkins as well, which will help. Yeah. So having her as a target, but. Also, if she's the main target, I think that 
opposition teams will be wary of that and be sure to shut her down yeah. because she's clearly the experienced one. And they need they need a couple of tall targets down there. Like they've got your your Tam Lukes and your Tegan Cunninghams, but Cunningham was their starting rock on the weekend, so she's not always going to be down there. And I think she, oh maybe um, Lucy Wiles um, and Tam Luke will rotate through the rock, but. Yeah, she's not always going to be down there, so they need to need to find someone else to fill that that Cunningham kind of role. And I think that those selections are there to provide that experience around the green shoots and the inexperienced players. Because we, yeah. I mean, it's fair to say though, both those names are not going to be around forever. I mean, Cunningham's already retired once, so yeah. Um, and, and obviously tomorrow, Luke towards the the twilight of her career as well. So I think that they're going to try and develop those, like you said, like Wales and and they've got some other talented tools like Mackenzie Early. They'll probably play up the other end, but. Um, they've got some tools they're going to develop, but they're, those players are in there to use their bodies and, and strength and experience to be almost foils for the, for the for the younger ones, knowing the younger ones will get you know lighter or easier opponents. They won't have to take on the, the best defender each week. So I think that's what they're there for. And look, hopefully Hawthorne can, can be competitive. And I think what we'll usually see is there'll probably be some one-sided results early on. And then maybe by around seven, eight, that kind of thing that they're going to be a bit more competitive. Although you don't want to look at that fixture if you're a Hawthorne fan, because they just gets really difficult in the end. Cause uh, you play the giants away in round eight. Okay. Fair enough. Then you have Brisbane and, and Fremantle in the final fortnight. So oh, it's not, just yeah, as just as they're settled, getting, they, yep. they, oh dear. yeah, they've got a very slanted fixture there. Their first half is very easy. I sort of rated if you want to go check out that uh, article. Uh, yeah. That uh, it's called lions face tough fixture as Hawks dogs win out. Um, I rated their fixture first half as a, a 2.0. So that's basically two points out of five and their second half's a 3.6. So they certainly almost double in, in terms of difficulty. So good luck to the Hawks. Look, they're new. I'll, I'll get a, position from you um what, what are you going to say uh can, can you nail down an exact position do you think they're gonna oh, no because there's a few other sides that will be around the same mark which we'll get we'll get to in a minute but yeah i can't see them probably above bottom four unfortunately they'll as you said they'll definitely once they've got the experience into your flemings your hit wells you'll yeah, Mackenzie Eardleys and all that. They'll be a much better side, but just Hawks fans don't go in with too much expectations and just enjoy the fact you've got a team. They're going to be bringing in a couple of years, but pa- um, patience will be duly rewarded. Yeah, I think realistically they're probably going to be bottom two. Um Possibly bottom three. Um, I'm still not sold on, again, a couple of teams that we're going to discuss, but... I think that the games against Sydney and St Kilda in particular are going to be um, key. I think they're the two games for me that whoever wins the most out of those um, is probably going to finish above the others. So hopefully they can get a win, though, at some stage. We'll see what happens. Yeah, they should get a win, but the question is how many? Yeah, the question. Yeah, and the question (laughs) is I don't know which one. Like I said, Sydney's the one I'd be circling. Um, and, and we'll discuss them now, actually. We'll go straight on to them because I think that, for me, um, we're wrapping up that they're obviously the fourth expansion team in this group. Uh, and for me, they're an interesting side because, I'll be honest, I came in 
watching them against Collingwood thinking, yeah, this is going to be a belting. Um, because obviously Collingwood, let's face it, they were missing Jamie Lambert. They were missing Michaela Can, So they were missing some some quality players, not to mention Bree Davey and, and Brute Benici. So if they were obviously all fully fit, then yeah, it's a bit of a struggle. But I was quite impressed. I was quite impressed by Sydney uh, for the first half. And then... As you will see, with a lot of young teams, it kind of just got away from them. So the first quarter, they were fantastic. I really, I was actually really surprised with how much they took Collingwood on. And, and perhaps they surprised the Magpies a little bit and, and sort of were willing to take the game on. Montana Ham's absolutely outstanding. She was brilliant, as expected. Cynthia Hamilton's so good up forward. She'll uh, compete really strongly. Um, but the issue was in the second term, Collingwood missed a lot of sitters and a lot of chances. Sydney's defense held up. So that was what impressed me. Not more so. They didn't really have much of the play. They were mostly just kicking it out of defense desperately, but they held up. That was the key. And then they kicked two goals from three chances. So uh, for me, if they get those opportunities, they're good. But if they don't get those forward opportunities, I mean, that's for every side, but I think that opposition teams could score quite heavily against them. So they'll make the most of their chances. I just don't think they'll get many. So we saw Collingwood sort of run away with a five-goal win. So it was a 39-point turnaround. Sydney scored a point in the second half. So they did really fade away. But uh, look, what do you sort of make of Sydney's list and and how they've constructed it? Yeah, they're an interesting one. I'm glad that they they went to Victoria and got so many targets from the VFLW because... Like if your Brady Kennedys, your, your Jenna Lawson Taverns, your Lauren Zagettis, they're not not going to get a look in in Victoria, but their mature bodies have plenty of footy experience. They may not have the AFLW experience, which is a severe, severe lacking on looking at the Swans list, but they've got experience of big games, which is, is always helpful. Um, but yeah, it's just... The Swans, I think, of the four new sides, intrigue me the most because they're so they're so raw. Like we've talked about the other sides having a lot of rawness, but they're definitely the rawest of the four. So, yeah, I think they're gonna struggle because when your most experienced players are your your Brooke Lachlan's and your Alicia Newmans, that's that's a telling sign, but. I feel like, yeah, I, at the same time, I don't think they're going to go winless. I haven't, bearing in mind, I haven't memorized their fixture yet. So I, I could sound really stupid saying that. But yeah, I feel like they're going to pinch a win somewhere. I'm just not sure where. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's very easy to say that from this point of view. But the, the reality is that the, the matches, potentially the match between Hawthorne and Sydney... Only one team's going to win that unless they draw. So realistically, them and look, there might be one other game or so, like St Kilda, West Coast, perhaps those kind of teams. Maybe um, I do agree. I think if Sydney were to play Hawthorne right now, I'd be tipping Sydney. Yep. And the the pure fact is that they would get the forward opportunities, but against teams with really strong midfields. I think they've got the potential to get blown away. If the opposition team doesn't have a strong midfield, then I think Sydney can really punish them going forward because their forward line is actually quite potent. Their small players are strong in the air. They're able to, you know, compete strongly and, and they're quick and clever. So I think they'll do really, really well if they can win the midfield. But of course, being inexperienced, I don't think it's going to happen that often. And obviously, look, 
I think it'd be fair to say even Scott Gowans would say that they wouldn't be expecting too many wins this year. Mm. Um, I think he, he sort of said numerous occasions, it, it's a long-term plan. So, because yeah. we do know whenever non-Victorian clubs come in, sometimes it will be seen with the men's, um, that if the wins don't start stocking up, they tend to, you, you get a bit worried about them. So, I think if I'm a Sydney fan, I think Sydney are built a bit different to um, yeah. men's Gold Coast, I'll just say it. Um, like we, yeah. we've seen like even people on the Gold Coast sort of uh, say that those fans dropped off when they didn't do as well. For me, I think Sydney fans are different. I think that they're going to stick around. They're already passionate about them. Yeah. They already had the most members, which is fantastic. Yeah, that, that uh, was very impressive. Outstanding. And Sydney are one of those teams that I genuinely like. I, I don't think it, it's – Difficult to dislike Sydney for what they do. And, and this is men's, women's, everything, because they do it so well. Um, so for me, I'm kind of hoping they go as well as they do, um, or like go as well as they possibly can. I'm just, yeah, I've got some question marks around them being able to have enough opportunities because they are inexperienced. They've got some good hard bodies. They've got some runners. Kick it forward. Uh, sort of skills still got to work on. They're a bit rusty, that aspect. A lot of chaos ball going forward and and, and players able to pounce. Uh, Montana Ham's already kind of almost getting tagged in her first game. So she's going to be the key. I think teams are going to nullify her because realistically she's going to be their best player or one of, if not their best player. So, cause she's pick one, she's ready made to go. She'd be one of the best players in any team realistically in the top sort of five or six. That is how ready made and how good she is. And, and we're going to see that with draftees. They're going to come through and be, wow, how good is this kid? Like already right up there. So um, she'll probably be the one that teams target to try and stop. Um, and fair enough too. But I mean, for me, yeah, I, I, I think that they're going to be a really competitive unit. I think for them to get a win, it would need to be one of those weaker sides we've sort of talked about and for them to be a little off their game because I think Sydney will be the team that will keep cracking away and keep having a crack, um, you know, having a go. Uh, it'll just be a case of if they can get those opportunities. Yep. So, yep. Um, wrapping them up before we go to a break, final position. We've kind of discussed it. but Yeah, they'll probably be bottom four, unfortunately, but... Swans fans, you're you're passionate, you're excited about this team already. Stick with them. They're going to come good. It just might take a couple of years. I tend to agree. I think they'll probably, like Hawthorne, they, they could well be rounding out those bottom two or three with, with Hawthorne and another team we'll talk about today. Uh, but, yeah, like for me, as I said, I really like the Swans, really like what they're doing. Scotty Gowans is a great coach. That's the other thing. With Scotty Gowans and Beck Goddard at Helm, you've probably got – two of the best coaches you can possibly have. Definitely. So I, I was lucky enough to chat with Scott Gowans a few weeks ago and I came away feeling really impressed with the way he's gone about it. So yeah, that's a huge, huge gap for the, for the Swans, particularly with such a young side. So yeah. yeah. So I think you, with those pl- people in charge, I think that they're going to go really well. So What we'll do now is we'll take a break and be back to analyse the final five teams for this episode of Game Sense. Welcome back. You're listening to Game Sense, and it's Peter Williams here chatting with Elise Collette. We'll run through the final five AFLW team previews for the season ahead, starting from the bottom of last season's ladder. So obviously West Coast's the first team up. They they won the wooden spoon last season, only the, the one win they had a competitive preseason. They easily took care of Hawthorne. Uh, and then they had a really a mud slog, is, is a fair way of describing it, against Fremantle. If anyone saw that footage, that is a game that you can pretty much 
take nothing from other than, yeah, both teams had a real crack because there was just nothing. Uh, skills go out the window. It was really just kick along the ground and, yeah, you wouldn't want to be the person washing the clothes afterwards kind of thing. So, um, which it's not lost on me that right now Victoria was having the sunshine while Perth was enjoying an absolute downpour. So a bit different for them, but... Look, I think that they've had a lot of change over the off-season. They had about 11 people come in and, and more since there's been other ones that have obviously gone out. Um, Evie Gooch has gone to the inactive list and, and now Sinead Davison obviously has done her knee, unfortunately. So she's another one gone. So they've they've had to bring in um, Ash Gomes from East Fremantle. So that's another one. We mentioned East Fremantle uh, just missing out on the flag. She was the captain of that side. So she's come in. Um, they're... A very different looking outfit this year. They've, they've brought in Jess Sedgenary, Crystal Petrevsky, Isabella Simmons, uh, Michaela Bowen left. So she's obviously the key out. The, I think for me, obviously they've brought in, well, I mean the best player in the country right now in Ella Roberts for the for the juniors. She was absolutely outstanding. Um, no one moved on more players and no one brought in more players on West Coast. Combination of, you know, retirements to listings, free agency, trade. What do you sort of make of West Coast's off-season? Chaotic, <laughs> certainly. I didn't quite realise it was 11. I knew they'd lost a few, but didn't didn't do the maths and work out it was 11. I'm, I'm worried about how much that's going to affect them because if losing so many players and trying to add new ones in and make sure that the, the synergy's there and, yeah, that's going to take a while. So I'm little bit worried about that, but also intrigued because they they might just click straight away. We, You were saying we can't take much out of the Freo game. I don't know how much we can take out of the Hawthorne game either, having now now knowing what we've seen from them against Richmond. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I think for me, I, I what that told me, the Hawthorne game, is that I think West Coast are going to be cut above those teams um yeah that's why and and i'll mention it after when we when we get to where we think where they're going to finish i think they're going to improve um on on last season but i like that's also the part of me that's going they've got ella roberts coming in and i know for those who might not be able to see as much under 18s how good this player could be and i mean this quite seriously she is that good that she could be top 20 at the end of the year very comfortably like she, we've seen, to put it in perspective, we've seen what Maddie Prisparkas and all that did when they first came in and all those kind of players. She's better. She is the best player that's come through the junior system, uh, full stop. So the only question is, if she plays forward, will they get enough forward? That's that's the big question. I don't have any doubts on her being a superstar at this level. She'll literally be a superstar. Um, within a season or two, she'll be their best player. Um, she'd be in the top five of most clubs um, and certainly will be within a couple of seasons. So for me, I think she's an absolute outstanding recruit and, and there's a lot more to come from that. Um, but in, in saying that, they they did need those players to come in because Fremantle were a lot stronger than them. Um, but as it's turned out, Fremantle's ended up with so many injuries and, and West Coast now has sort of got that healthier list, if you like. I, I know we mentioned, we touched on the ones that have gone out and, and Gooch will be a huge loss in that defensive uh, 50. But 
for me, they've got a lot of young and experienced players. The, the big question mark is obviously the Ruck. They lost Paris Laurie, who I'm not sure they were certain they were going to lose because now they've got um, Sarah Lackey, uh, who's a second-year player, and a basketball convert in Eleanor Hartill, who effectively replaced the injured uh, Lauren Wackfer. So they're literally going with a second-year Ruck and a basketball convert who's coming in. Uh, as a top-up player for their rucks. Um, now, obviously, they'll probably utilize others, tools and all that kind of thing around it, but they're the two main rucks. Um, so for me, question mark is on that ruck stock. Um, now, Lackey's a fantastic leap, great athletic player, good for the future, but that's the most inexperienced ruck duo in the comp bar, maybe with the expansion size. Yeah, the, I was going to say the expansion, mm. um, it's not the least um, experienced combination but of the already established i would argue it's the least well it's arguable almost well a lot of the expansion clubs off the top of my head have probably got a state league ruckman that's that's played a fair bit yeah um lackey's come from basketball as well originally um off the top of my head when we chatted to her um last year so from from memory it's like i mean i guess they haven't had the you know five six years in the system like some of them might have or things like that but i i'm not too concerned outside that because I don't think I don't think the rucks unless you were a top two or three ruck I don't think it's a major issue like I just with I know VFLW is different from AFLW but Simone Nelda was getting cons- consistently beaten in the in the hit out battle but then you've got the that midfield that was so good and able to to, to win the ball that it, it didn't matter Nelda was getting beaten all the time so you, you raise a good point that yeah just because you're not a, not up there with the best rucks in the comp it's not the end of the world yeah and, and that's the thing they've picked up their midfield is ready made to go got Alice Smith Sasha Goranova um, Michaela Weston provides that run on the outside will probably play a bit forward Kate Bartlett been consistent for ages now she's got a third chance at aflw level but has only played the one game she's going to be a great forward and of course uh i mean you were here 12 months ago when we chatted jade Britton, and now she's on a list which is fantastic for her definitely like for me personally just outside of uh you know outside of the uh neutral territory that's fantastic to have someone that you know has worked really hard to get on a list there so um They've got that experience um, that's come in, state league experience. I think that that'll help them. I don't think they're in an any worse spot than the other teams that have brought in a lot of state league experience. Um, you know, we know Swanson's quality. We know Hooker's quality, Lewis's quality. I think the only thing will be how much can those midfielders contribute and the drop-off. That will be the only thing. I think that they've got some outstanding players, and I think they can do damage. Their forward line's all right. I don't mind it. Midfield is really, really solid. Defense, question mark, no gooch. That's going to be a big big year for Sophie McDonald back there. She's going to have to establish herself consistently there. I think Beth Schilling will now step up. Um, she'll probably chop out in the ruck as well. She's done a little bit of rucking. Um yeah, I, I just think it's there's not a for me there's not a major question mark outside the obviously the inexperienced ruck. For me there's not a major question mark. There's just little question marks across the field. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So I mean for me, as I said, 
love the draftees they've picked up. Love the mature ages. I think they're going to be a good team in the future. Where do you sort of see them finishing? Uh, they'll they'll be above like your Sydney's and your Hawthorns. Um, any further than that, I'm not certain because we've got we've got all those question marks. So I think a couple of rounds in, we might have a better picture. Who have they got in the first couple of rounds? Well, West Coast, yeah, they do like they do have a, a trickier kind of draw. Um, yeah. They they they've got they do cop Brisbane and Adelaide in their draw, so they do have a bit of a oh. and they do have to travel to Melbourne like Casey once. Um oh. but they yeah, like I mean in terms they have an easier run home, so they've got a um couple of winnable games. Like you've got Gold Coast GWS, they'll obviously play, as we said, Hawthorne. So they do have some winnable games in there. Um but yeah, like I mean of the lower teams, they do have a tougher draw, which is the only thing holding me back from saying they could be a lot better. Mm. But yeah, like I mean at the end of the day is what you're suggesting, I presume, is you're suggesting bottom four. Oh, uh, I was going to say top half of bottom four. That sounds really weird. Um, I think they'll be, they won't be wooden spooners, but I can't say it above maybe, I say maybe 13th, 14th. But I've just yeah, got so many questions about things like the, the rocks and the synergy with so many new players coming in. So yeah, they'll be intriguing one to watch West Coast. At the end of the day, um, there's still going to be four teams that finish bottom four. That's yeah. just fact. Um, so if they're not bottom four, I'd be interested to see, like from your obviously perspective, which four finish in there. I actually I, believe they won't be, but yeah, did you have? I, I don't. I don't have a list off no? the top of my head, but I feel like they've got they've got a head start on some of the other sides, which will definitely help because they do they do have a lot of lot of players coming in, but. They've got a lot more ready-made AFLW bodies than some of the other sides. So, yeah. Um, just on the new players they've come in, I can't wait to see how Crystal Petrovsky goes because she she can be so exciting, but she just was a victim of Melbourne's list depth. So she can come in and create a little bit of flair and a little bit of excitement in that West Coast forward line. Yeah, I think she's going to – going home was the best thing for her career, I think. I love that we're not talking about Melbourne. You still managed to work in. <laughs> you I worked in a How Good a Melbourne into the, the podcast. Um, we love it. Um, <laughs> uh, no, all good. Prepared to cop all that. Yeah, all that. All um, good. Um, keep that PG, <laughs> but yeah. No, no, lo- love it. I was expecting. I was waiting for it. Um, oh, but that's dear. all good. Um, yeah, for me, in terms of finishing position, just to wrap up because we've gone a bit long on this one. Um, for me, I think they're going to finish. I'm going to say 12th to 13th. I think they're going to improve a little bit on on what they did last year. And I think that there's even a team or two not in this podcast they might finish above. Um, so, And I think most of the teams in this podcast, they'll finish above. Not not all of them. Towards the end, it's a little... Yeah, I've, I've got a few things. But a lot of these teams... All these teams in this podcast, I have question marks about. So there's no um, guaranteed, as we said, this won't be the premiership contenders in in my opinion there could be a shock who knows but um not no, for me no, um, I, no premiership contenders for me either i'll just put that out there 
Yeah. Oh, what's that? Ne- oh, yeah. No, I was going to say, what are we going to do Melbourne next? Just to uh, shop, go off the run sheet. No, we're just kidding. Um, in case you can't tell, <laughs> Lisa's a Melbourne supporter. Um, we're gonna and have I that. cop it from everyone in the office. <laughs> no. It, uh, well, I mean, to be honest, we'll, we'll discuss it next week, but I think we're all on the same page with uh, how good they are. So we're going to move on to the teams that are not quite as good, um, but hopefully they'll have an improvement uh, this season. And that is St Kilda. They escaped the wooden spoon last season, but they did struggle for the most part. The off-season, they lost Cat Phillips, Tilly Lucas-Rod, Jackie Voy, and then Re-Watt as well. They've lost... Um, they managed to bring in Aaron McKinnon, Nicholas Stevens, and welcome back Georgia Patrikios, obviously AFL easing the vaccine mandate. Um, there's a, a fair bit of change there. that They lost a couple more as well, but they've... Yeah, they've had a bit of turnover, not quite West Coast levels of turnover, but they did have a bit of turnover. So what do you sort of make of their list? Yeah, they're an interesting one because that is a lot of experience that's gone out the door. But as we we uh, both saw on Friday night, they've still got that that forward 50 entry issues they had last season, which, which does worry me. But a couple of their BFLW... Draftees in particular really excite me. Deanna Jolliffe and Hannah Stewart, they both had stellar seasons at VFL level and I was excited to see that they both got picked up. I think they can they can definitely add something to the St Kilda list, but as we've said plenty of times, I've I've got a few few question marks about them because that forward that forward fifty entry was was pretty evident on Friday night. And then once they fixed that up, they couldn't kick straight. So, yeah, they, they're an interesting proposition to Kilda. Yeah, I, I think that they're going to be a team that is um, thereabouts the mark where they were last season. Um, I think that they're still going to need another season to come good because they've kind of almost cleared out a bit and then they've kind of reset. Uh, mm. Patrikios coming back was good. She was still very scratchy on the weekend. Uh, I think that obviously we know what, how much class she's got. She's going to take a little while to kick into gear, probably a few games, but um, she, she'll be their best player. She's won their two best best and fairest. She's their best player coming in. So she'll be a real quality player in the midfield. Tani White, for me, just has to play in the midfield because, again, mm. she's another great user. Provides that bit of class. Uh, but I just, yeah, I, I just, for the Saints, for me, it's, the lack of top-end players, mm. I think, is fair. Like, they've got a lot of good players, like really solid role players. Um, Bianca Jacobson is another one who, in terms of quality defenders, yeah. she's yeah. she's up there with the best defenders for sure. I'm talking mostly midfield um, and forward. How Guttridge's game on Friday? Because she was one that really impressed me. Yeah, she's, she's one that's got a lot of talent. I think there's – the Saints sort of have a balance between consistent players – but you know what you're going to get doesn't mean they're going to necessarily be heaps of upside. And then you've got the ones that have upside, but they're not always consistent. So I think they've kind of balanced between them. And Guthridge is definitely the latter. I think she's got a lot of talent. Uh, it's just getting some consistency. And and she has had injuries over the journey. So obviously, you know, she played with the Pies for a bit. So uh, she's someone who has potential to, to move the ball. And that's one thing I'll definitely give Saints credit for. I love the way they move the ball um, when they're up and running. It's just that 
kind of final kick inside 50, that execution. And I mean, on the weekend, obviously they didn't have um, Caitlin Greiser as, as we know. So mm. having that second target, not just sheer law, um, yeah, I think will help. Definitely needed a second tool. Yeah. I think that for me, that is the key. If they can do that, then I think that they're going to, they're going to be a lot more damaging. Um, but I still have, yeah, I, I think that they can be, they're probably, they've still got a few question marks around. Um, I, I don't know. Like for, for me, when they get Tiana Smith back, who is interestingly not on the inactive list, but I sort of said, oh. obviously off air, like it was late last year that she did her knee. Like it was over the Christmas break or round there, I thought off the top yeah, of my head. It was right. a lot earlier than Lutkins and Lutkins is looking like she might come back. My only thing is, as I said, and I've sort of said this a few times is Lutkins is coming into a team that's competing for a flag is it yeah. really worth risking less than 12 months for, for Tiana Smith to come into a team that, in, in all honesty, probably won't play finals? So, yeah. I mean... If we had the VFLW running concurrently, she could, like, get some game time there and, like... But, yeah, I, I wouldn't risk her. I, I think they've left the door ajar for her, but I just don't think it is worth it at this stage. I um I mean, obviously, if if she passes all the medicals and the doctors say it's okay and she does make a comeback, great for her. You know, I love seeing her out there. But the worst thing that could happen is she comes back for a game or two, you know, effectively a consolation game and something happens. So let's hope that she's uh, when she does come back, whenever it is, she's fully fit and can can really run and go because she'll be right up there with Patrikios for their best players. So for me, yeah, I'm not sure about St Kilda. They do start off uh, against Sydney. So that's a... Oh, that's, Good that's start. And then start. Hawthorne. So they've got oh. two very, very winnable games yeah. um, to start with. So they could start two zip. I, right, as of right now, they could start two zip, I think. Um, yeah. And they to probably, be honest. Probably should, really. Oh, they absolutely. To be honest, I'd almost go as far as say they have to for, for the Saints fans. Absolutely. Because they suffered a lot. Even when they were not too bad last year. They dropped a few games. I remember the one at Trevor Barker. I'm going off the top of my head here, but the one over there where oh, uh, they were West up. West Coast one? Yeah, West Coast yes. one. That's right. They were yes. up for a fair bit and then they just fell away. So for me, I think they've got to win those two. Um, and then then it gets a little tough. Well, they play Melbourne after that. Um, so that's going to be a bit tricky. And then they've got obviously Gold Coast, Geelong. But, but to be Fair, they did match it with the D's for I think it was about three quarters last season. So and it, it's the same venue as well. Yeah. So Are you tipping St Kilda in that one? Eh? <laughs> 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 yeah. Nah, like let's be honest. Okay, so on a serious note though, they do play Carlton in round seven, which is another one you could have a. I, I'd, That's I'd, a fifty-fifty, I reckon, at, at the very least. Yeah, and then Bulldogs. Um, again, again, like, again, there's a lot of teams that you have question marks in port at home. Yeah. Look, I I don't think they'll win that, but you know, you've got a question mark, but as I said, they play the, the quality teams like Melbourne and Adelaide and, um, yeah. And then you've also got a Collingwood game in there as well. So I don't quite have Collingwood up in, in, in the Melbourne Adelaide at the moment, but they're, they're thereabouts. So for me, I think that they could win a few games this season. I think I could see them winning three to four, something like that. Um, what what about you? Where do you sort of see Saints? Yeah, I don't, definitely don't see them dropping from where they were last year. I've still got a few question marks, but if they can get everything working, there's a lot of, particularly around that middle part of the season, where there's a lot of 
for me, 50-50 games that could go either way. If they they win a couple of those, then then things start to get a bit interesting. But yeah, they've got to they've got to fix a few things first. And just on that, in in all seriousness, with that St Kilda Melbourne game, Melbourne as as you would know, play Adelaide over in Adelaide and then North. Mm. St Kilda could head into that game ahead of them on the ladder just purely because of the the fixture. <laughs> realistically, um, yeah. even if they're both won both games, you would have to say that. St Kilda's wins will probably be a bit easier. Yeah, the, so yeah, they could end up. Oh. They could end up in. Ter- I don't think. I don't think. No matter what happens in those two games, they'll be favourite in that match. But you know, they it, could it, end it, up. It'll add a lot of spice. They, but um, yeah, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, no, uh, and to be fair, and this is just a spoiler for next week. We do we do have a good laugh about, um, obviously Lisa Melbourne, but I do have I have tipped them for the flag as a spoiler for next week. So I do obviously think they're very good. So. Uh, yeah. So finishing position, Saints. Where, where you got them? Um, I'm gonna put them between between say Port Netherland and and a West Coast. I definitely they've got a, a lot of winnable games. The question is, do they win them? Yep. Because there's no. so many fifty fifties in there. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, I think this is the big question for me. How do West Coast play at home? Because yeah. West Coast, and I know this is going a bit back on West Coast, they play Essendon at home. They play Richmond at home. Uh, they play Bulldogs at home. So do they, like those games, I think them playing those teams at home is more advantageous than yeah. St Kilda playing them at home. So yeah. And I th- we don't know how Essendon travel. We don't know yeah. anything about Essendon. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. So for me, I think it comes down to how West Coast handle the home ground advantage. I think on paper, to be honest, West Coast is more balanced and overall got more upside and talent, but I think St Kilda have the better top-end players. Like you take out your yeah, Swanson, Hooker and whatnot, and obviously Ella Roberts, but if we're talking about established players, I think St Kilda have some great top-enders. Um, but then I, I, like, I, I want to see what the the bottom eight to 12 will do that. Yeah. That's, that's the big question with St Kilda who will, we know what we're going to get out of a Jacobson. We know what we're going to get out of a Patricios once she's up and going, even a Sheila or like Greiser, those kind of players. I want to see what your live Vesely's and, and all that kind of going to, when they get consistent games, what they can do. Um, again, yeah. Guttridge is another one, those kind of players. Um, so I agree. I think they're going to be bottom six. I'd probably still have them, bottom four, but I'm, I I think that they might sneak out on that draw. That draw might be the, yeah. the saving grace. They yeah. should start two zip. I think they'll head into that game two zip. And if they don't, I think there's going to be probably some pretty upset St Kilda supporters, in all that, fairness to Sydney and Hawthorne. That's an understatement. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of questions. and Because mm. they, they are games that, like, in, in past years we've gone all right, um, last season it was the, we're missing Smith, we're missing Patrikios. Fair enough, all right, you're, you're down the bottom. These are teams brand new, very raw, very inexperienced, realistically probably on paper two of the, the weakest teams. Yep. They need to win them. So yep. they need to go into that Melbourne game two zip. Yep. Um, so hopefully they do. That's a lot on St Kilda. We're going to move on to Geelong. Um, Geelong, they managed to pick up a couple of wins last season. Obviously they had a far superior percentage to St Kilda because they were a lot more competitive. Their defense was superb. Their attack was a different story. And that is the big question mark. And it did not help. They decided they weren't going to re-sign Phoebe McWilliams. That that confused me. I'm like, 
why why are you getting rid of your best forward? My question was, it wasn't necessarily that because I thought, okay, maybe they're rebuilding. Maybe they're trying to get in some young guns and all that. They lost Liv Barber, which then I went, okay, this is a bit of concern. Purely because for me, Liv Barber would have been the one that you go, sweet, all right, clog yep. her in, lock yep. her in. Yep. She's yep. there, good. Yep. She left. And then the whole rebuild thing, then they brought in obviously Shelly Scott and, and Jackie Parry, particularly I'm talking more Scott because she's the older one, um, is almost like, they went. They wanted to go for that rebuild, but then they sort of brought in that experience back. So it's almost like mm. they've traded experience for experience, and yeah. it was kind of like just shuffling, like an experienced forward for another experienced forward. But I wasn't quite sure, like whether or not they didn't expect Barber to go. That's the only question I have. But yeah. I mean, I I like players on the list at Geelong. On paper, the last few years, I actually loved Geelong on paper. Just. On the field, they haven't been able yeah. to do it. I remember, remember the start of last season being really impressed by Geelong, even though they weren't getting the wins. And then that, that game against the Bulldogs, I will never forget they're sitting there writing, where did your your start of season form go, Geelong? Because they just, they just fell away. But, um, yeah, that experience they've brought in will certainly help. But, yeah, they're an in- interesting one. Dong. Yeah. Um, for me, yeah, it, it's like you look at the midfield. That midfield is outstanding and yes. huge potential. Yes. You've got Prisparkus, you've got uh, Nina Morrison. Like somehow Nina Morrison seems to not be remembered as well. Like she's ha- she had that elite. I mean, the, the injuries? Couple of knee- yeah, a couple of knees couple will do knees that will for do you. That. <laughs> um, but you look at that and obviously, you know, Amy McDonald, um, they've yeah. got. Beck Webster in there as well. Like, they have some serious quality in that midfield. The defence now, they did lo- uh, lose Maddie McMahon, which is going to be a, a big loss for them. Um, so she's now out. Um, they've still got uh, Meg McDonald in there, who's going to be pretty oh, important. Yeah, she she's another one that I'd argue is a bit underrated as well. Yep, yep. I think I think that's fair enough. And, and you've got Georgie Rankin back there, Kerrick and Emerson. Like, they're all a good unit. Like they're not necessarily, I think McDonald is definitely. The others are more really good players to play their role, and that's yeah. why they did so well defensively. Um, and I think they'll they'll do well again. Although McMahon going out is is a worry, but for me, I look at that midfield, which they've also welcomed in Michaela Bowen. Keep in mind, yeah, they've got Bowen, Prasparkas, Morrison, Webster, and McDonald. That is a ridiculously good midfield. Like. I just want to point out- Amy McDonald was their best in Varys last year as yep. well. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Like, that is a really, really... Like, that is a top six midfield at worst. Like, that is an absolute outstanding midfield. And, like, a really hard one too. Like, they're, they're going to win a lot of contested balls against other teams. I reckon they should bully a lot of those younger, like, less experienced midfields with yes. that midfield. Yeah. The question is, can... Your Scots, your Parries, your Mia Skinner, who had a fantastic VFLW yes, season. Yes, Chloe Chloe Shear is another one. Kate Darby. Again, Chloe Shear's got X Factor. Skinner's got potential but had injuries. Um, Parry, as we know, you know, ha- has talent but, you know, hasn't had that consistency again, like why she left Melbourne. Scott is, again, another consistent player. Um, but, again, getting out of Melbourne, they've they've had a lot of players roll through there. So, yeah, I'm. I'm just not. I'm still not sold on their forward line. I think their forward line is going to get a lot of opportunities. And Geelong, 
like their success will depend on whether their forwards can make the most of the opportunities. Because I think they'll get it. They'll look at the midfield, they'll get it. It's yeah. just whether they're forwards. Another name that has left Geelong that we haven't mentioned yet is Jordy Ivey. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's another experienced body as well. But again, like experience going, experience coming. Like it's almost mm. like they've just traded them out and in. And uh, like, okay, that was in a trade for them. The McWilliams going out without a like for like exactly coming in is the the worry. Like, I was going to say, didn't, did she go for draft picks in the end? Yeah, she went to Carl. Uh, no, she went to... Oh, McWilliams. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she went yeah. for... Did she... Did Geelong get draft picks or an actual player for... No, I think just draft picks, wasn't it? Yeah, because it okay. was Carlton, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I doubted myself there. I was literally like Carlton, then I was like, hang on. Because I kept thinking VFLW when she played for Hawthorne. I was like, no, it was definitely Carlton. Like, just had that real mind blank. We've been going that long that I've just, yeah, forgot. But yeah, I was like, Carlton? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was draft picks, absolutely. Yeah. Um, So they kind of traded up, although Carlton actually sort of traded up couple of spots and Geelong got some other stuff and, and whatnot. Yeah, so a number of, of yeah. later picks. picks. They were trying to get some yeah. later picks and, and get a few players in. Uh, big year, I think, for Laura Gardner. I think she has to establish yeah. herself somehow in that she, midfield. She was another one that had a stellar VFLW year. So yeah. I think they've translate got translate that up. I, I just, yeah, I think they've got too many midfielders. That's the question. <laughs> Like yeah. they've got, like you look at this Laura Gardner, Darcy Maloney are two players that should be playing first choice midfield and they're effectively second choice midfield because yeah. the, the quality of that on ball is great. Uh, I wonder whether they end up moving one of those players, like not them necessarily, but one of the midfielders somewhere else. Beck Webster maybe slots in at halfback. She played there at junior level, so she could be someone who replaces that Maddie McMahon, allows Laura Gardner to come in. Maybe one of them can go forward, um, be a target. I'm not sure. Georgie Prisparkas could. That That's a very easy spot. She can dominate at full forward. Um, but, yeah. I was going to say, did Nina... Maybe she just drifted up there, but was she forward at one stage? Uh, she's Like, she could play there. Um, Georgie was more out of the square. Nina was more of a rest forward. Okay. Um, but yeah, she could play forward, but Georgie sort of, you could have a one out and she'd beat a lot of opponents. Um, but yeah, for me, if we're wrapping up Geelong, I would just have a question over that forward line. I think everywhere else is pretty good. Um, Ruck again, live fuller. They, they delisted Ren Karras. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure on their Ruck, but obviously they're, they're yeah. putting all the chips in on live fuller there. Um, they got Samantha Gooden in as another tall uh, coming out of netball, but now she's gone to the inactive list as well. So, yeah, I'm not sure about the rucks either while I'm, while I'm thinking of it. But Yeah, I feel like that's going to be um, a common topic for, for several clubs. For, for me, just in summary, midfield elite, defence borderline elite, forward line, big question mark, and ruck, again, depth, question mark. Where do they finish? Top half of the bottom ten, if that makes sense. Because <laughs> you really like to confuse everyone. Everyone's doing the math in their head, going, Sorry. "Hang on, bo-. Sorry. Okay. Um, Just a number b- range, number range. So, I'll say nine to thirteen because yep. they've definitely got the potential. We've said that for the last yep. five minutes, but just so many question marks. Yeah, I, I think for me they just miss out as well, but. Again, if they can get enough chances and take them, then I, I think they're a chance of that seventh, eighth sort of lotto. 
Uh, yeah, but that's Geelong. We've, we've talked in depth about them. Let's move on to Richmond. We've still got two teams to go. Richmond finished 11th last season, had the, um, you know, three wins, but it was sort of built up uh, with a big victory over St Kilda really early. It looked really good. Everyone talked him up, but then as we've sort of seen how St Kilda went, um, the Tigers were not quite up to the contenders. I think that was the big thing. Um, they dropped a few games they probably shouldn't have. Um, they brought in Grace Egan. Um, they've lost not a great deal. Taylor Stahl gone, um, retire, obviously that, that'll be a loss. Um, but realistically they've stayed fairly, you know, fairly strong from last season, brought in some draftees, um, brought in Ingrid Hootsman as another one, um, from Geelong. So they've, they've brought in a, a bit of talent in there, but what are your sort of thoughts on the Tigers? Yeah, they're an interesting one because yeah, as you said, they've stayed pretty consistent, which is which is always good. But um, one thing that really impressed me with them on the weekend was this speed of their ball movement in general, but the speed of which they did it out of the middle. So they were able to get, I think it was three goals pretty quickly off the top of my head. And um, Steph Williams is an exciting, very exciting player who's come in and has got a bit of that flair and yeah, could, could, um, could do some things for, for Richmond. But yeah, I just feel like they're in a similar boat to Geelong. I'm just, they're not quite up with the contenders, but they have the capability to scare a few. I was going to say they're the reverse Geelong in the sense that they do have, I love their midfield, great midfield, their forward line is very, very potent, but it's their yeah. defence I have question marks. Yeah. Rebecca Miller, very underrated player. Yeah. Um, they've put Darcy in defence. Like, she played in defence, obviously, last year. She can play forward, but, again, like, they've got such strength back there. She's kind of played there. Um, Kate Dempsey's pretty solid. She had a good season. Maddie Shevlin and Beth Lynch, are, they're, they're good role players, but they're not... Like, they're not elite players like some in the defence. Like, you look at Geelong's and you're like, yep, that's a rock-solid defence. I'm not sold on on Richmond's defence, which I I think will be the issue. Um, I think their forward line's, yeah, ridiculously good at its best. Katie Brennan's fantastic. Wakefield can do a lot of damage. Um, Yasir is a very dangerous player. She was another one that was really impressive on the weekend. She's a pressure forward who can play. Like, she's mostly a midfielder, but her pressure allows her to play as a really good forward there. Bran Catasano sort of reinvented herself up there. Tessa Levy was just ridiculous for someone who, you know, basically swapped the basketball for a footy. Brilliant last season. Yeah. Um, I think their forward line is very good. Even um, Megan Kylie, who who was a midfielder, and, and they rolled her through that. Yeah, sort she's of... another one that was was impressive on the weekend and kicked a few goals and created quite a few chances. And then you've got the Hoskins that are midfielders but can can go forward and kick goals as well. Yeah, I, I think for me, obviously, they might still keep one of the Hoskins in defence, um, which which is fair enough, and they can roll out many of their midfielders into the, the wings. Um, but for me, I think they've got a really good aggressive attacking style on paper. I think that they'll mm-hmm. they'll look really good. It'll be the transitional play, similar to, I think, similar to Essendon. This side is very similar to Essendon, but they're just more experienced. So yeah. I think that that's why I think they might be a little bit above them, but they'll be in that same bracket roughly. Um, I think their defense is obviously a bit stronger than Essendon's, but um, 
still, I think it's just the defense for me that's the question mark that would be the difference. But overall, I, I think they can be a threat if teams aren't on their, their game. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Where, where do you sort of see them finishing? Roughly, you said similar to the Geelongs and, and whatnot of the world. Yeah, they're, they're an interesting one. Like, I could see them, like, if they pinch that 7th, 8th, I wouldn't be the mo- most shocked person in the world. But then if they finish, say, 10th, I'd also not be shocked. So, yeah, they're an interesting one. Well, how does their fixture look? It's really up and down. They've got some incredibly difficult games and some some of the easier easier games as well. So, like, their first sort of five weeks, um, you know, they line up against Geelong down at GMHBA, which that's a an eight-point game if you like. Mm-hmm. That's definitely a huge one. Um, and then they've got Adelaide at home, which is better than away, but still. Um, then they've got Hawthorne. Um, then they play Essendon. Uh, and then they play Sydney. Oh, sorry, not Sydney. Brisbane at home. Um, so they've kind of got... They're playing those really good teams at home, which is an advantage. Not that That'll certainly help. I do. I think it'll reduce... I think they won't quite have enough to beat those two, but... I mean, at the end of the day, they could get, they could theoretically have three wins from those five games. Um, then they play Gold Coast at home, another beneficial one, I think. That that's a winnable game for them. West Coast away, we're going to see what West Coast's like. Um, Carlton, that's another winnable game. Mm. Richmond then play GWS at home again. They're in the same bracket, um, mm. and then North. Um, so for me, there's only three there that I'd pencil as losses, which is Adelaide, Brisbane, and North. The others are either wins or possible wins. Yeah. And if they end up with, let's say, six, five to six wins, that might be enough to get them in to the finals. So I I think they could be. I think they're going to be in that seventh to tenth bracket. I'm still not sold completely, but I think they will go up. Yeah, that's fair. fair summary. All right. So last team that we're doing today, because this has been quite a long podcast, we're going to finish off with Gold Coast. So they had new coach last season, Cameron Joyce, who was able to lead them to 10th. There was a time where they were looking like they might even make finals uh, and they were looking very, very dangerous. Uh, saw them firsthand at Witten Oval uh, where they absolutely were, like impressed me uh, coming up against West Coast in that game. They looked got dead and gone basically and, and stormed home to win uh, off the back of some outstanding performances, Tara Bahana and um, Kate Sermon, uh, who, leading into the next point, has now left, uh, along with Britt Perry, Jackie Yorston, Hannah Dunn, Shane Hammond, uh, and, of course, Sarah Perkins as well, um, Janet Baird too. They've, they've gone to Hawthorne, those two. Um, yeah, they've, lo- they've lost a fair bit of experience in there. Uh, Courtney Jones is a great pickup, um, fantastic season she's had the one season couldn't crack into the blues before that i think she might have had the odd injury but she's cracked in was one of their best goal kickers uh but have they done enough to replace all those players that have gone out that is a very good question um we've seen a a couple of other sides that have lost a significant number of players but i would argue in terms of experience gold coast have been worst hit because for Former captain in Dunn, very experienced forwards in in Perry and Sermon. Yeah, I I'm not certain they've um they've covered it, but yeah, I'm intrigued to see how the, the likes of your 
your Biden Wiggle Websters, your Claydons and Courtney Jones and players like that coming in and what they're they're able to do. Yeah, I like there's a there's a bit of question mark for me. Uh forward line mostly now. Uh obviously Bahana won the leading goal kicker last season in a in her first season. Um and and now she's captaining the club, which is a, a bit 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 different after just coming in. Obviously missing out for a few years now coming in. Um, I look at the list and there's a mix between great young talent and some solid state leaguers who are who are stepping up. So I think that it's going to be a bit of a mix. Losing Alana G is a massive one. Obviously but, they're missing the Levi sisters as well. Yeah, Kaylee Kimber, who's replacing G, had a stellar back half to her quaffle season so i think she's she's a great pickup but losing g is going to be huge yeah g's a a top 10 prospect she's a real great talent so she would have been among their best players without a doubt um very similar to a uh, a patrikios type so someone like that would have been coming in but unfortunately not Jazz Smith will be an exciting one out of the youngsters. I, I think it's a big year for like a Giselle Davis, who is obviously a key defender, but she's been playing forward. So it'll be interesting. I, I, I have a feeling she's going to play the Sarah Perkins role or yep. Tara Bahana will play the Sarah Perkins role and she'll play the Tara Bahana role one way or another. I think they had to replace Sarah Perkins because otherwise yeah. Tara Bahana will have about four players off her because and, she'll be the only tall. So. And the partnership that they were building... Last year was was it really impressive? So mm. yeah, Kalinda Howarth obviously down there as well. That's that's worth mentioning. Um, yeah, she probably played a bit further afield too than what she did the year before. Because I remember she had a really good season forward. The she was one of the few really good forwards when they had a down year. So I think that she'll probably come back and, and do a fair bit. Courtney Jones, of course, coming in is another one that opposition teams can't rest on. So I mean, the more I sort of convince myself, it's it's not too bad of a forward line, but. I think that they're going to have to have a lot of midfielders hitting the scoreboard. Um, uh, midfield, Charlie Rowbottom, um, outstanding player. I love, love the way she goes about it. She could play forward. She'll probably play a fair bit forward. you got Whitford and, and Drennan, uh, Stanton, uh, Daisy Darcy. They've they, they got some pretty solid handy players there that'll, that'll win a lot of the ball. So it'll just be how they get it in there um, and go go from there. So... Yeah, I, I, like for me, it's just a case of they've got the talent on paper. Um, it's just whether or not they can put it turn into results. Yep, that's yeah, fair fair summary. So uh, I guess we're sort of wrapping this up now. Uh, last sort of question, I guess, is where do you sort of see them finishing? They were one of the sides that really impressed me last season. So if they can... If their losses don't affect them too badly, I can't see them dropping off from where they were last season. But if they can improve and jump into that, into that seventh, eighth, remains to be seen. So, yeah, I think, hmm, again, if they jump to seventh, eighth, it won't be the most surprising thing in the world. But, yeah, I'm just worried that they won't, Cover, be able to cover the experience they've lost. So realistically, ninth to maybe twelfth. Yeah, in, in terms of their draw, they're almost they're almost the same as uh, the team we just spoke about in Richmond. So they've obviously got uh, three games that'll be probably a bit too tricky for them. Uh, 
Brisbane, Melbourne, and North. Uh, but then they do have a fair few favourable ones as well. So they play the Saints. They've got the Eagles at home. Um, they also play the Hawks. Uh, so I, I think that they're going to be able to do enough that they'll be competing for finals. But I do think that perhaps they're just going to fall short. They've got a lot of 50-50 games as well. they got the Tigers in, in there too. Um, Carlton, uh, GWS in the final round. Um, those two games could well decide uh, if any of those teams play finals uh, and Richmond as well in that like run home. Sydney too. So Richmond, Sydney, if you exclude the Melbourne game in between, uh, Carlton and GWS in that run home, on a good day, they could win four of those five. So if they're able to position themselves well enough in the in the first half, I think they'll have a good charge home for finals. It's a bit easier than their run home was this season. So just gone. So I think they're, they're a chance, but I, I agree. I think they're in that sort of bottom bottom 10. Anyway, um, so that wraps up our return episode of Game Sense Podcast. I've been your host, Peter Williams. And first, I'd like to thank women's football analyst, Elise Collette, for joining me today. Thanks, Elise. Thank you for having me. All right. So we'll be back next week to preview the remaining nine teams of the AFL Women's as well as try to predict how round one of season seven will go down. Make sure you're following us on social media on at Rookie Me Central on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. And be sure to subscribe the pod to the podcast on your favourite platform. Thanks for listening to Game Sense today and we hope you tune in next week.